Hi, and welcome to Lifehouse Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. My name is Ben Hobson, and I am here to introduce our senior minister, David Thomas. David has been speaking the past couple of weeks on the subject on how to avoid hurts and offences within the church, which I feel is a very important message to learn. Often in our Christian lives, and something we've all probably experienced, we become bogged down in resentment, mixed messages, hurt, betrayal within our church community. The church is Christ's bride, and I think it's time we started to act like it and not a hurt and jealous girlfriend. This is what this message is about. So sit back and let the calming, soothing tones of our senior minister, David Thomas, take you on a journey. We are continuing on with our series on how to avoid hurts and offenses in the church. Um, and in the season, this is very appropriate because we are going into, a, we, we're in the season now of prayer and fasting where we are literally going in to a strong man's house Binding him, taking his weapons away, basically stripping him, and then taking his treasure. Now, no one likes that. And so there will be opposition to this march, this campaign into our community. And so, our, you know, I hauled all of these out and I'm giving them back to you again for the second time. So we're in the middle of the, the series now. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a big introduction because I was away last week. I can't help myself, but I was away last week at Warwick. We had a great time. Man, it was fantastic just being up there with the the Warwick men. And uh, we'll be putting what we spoke about, the the Fight Club team, onto the podcast as well next week. So that's coming as well. So you can download. What does it mean to be a man of God? Really good stuff. Um, But let me get into this. I want to give you an introduction. I'm going, to pro- I'm going to try and give you two more points and then hopefully end it off within one podcast, but I, that's unlikely. So there'll be another two podcasts coming. All right? Part three, how to avoid hurts and offenses in the church. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who is promised is faithful. Now, this is the part I want you to listen to. Let us consider, so the writer is writing to the church and he is saying, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All right, lock that into your your thinking right now. How can we spur one another on in love and good deeds? How does this get done? Now, if you go and read the Amplified, it says you admonish, you encourage, you warn, you urge. Now, this is the statement. If you're going to walk away with one thing from this message, this is what you need to walk away with. The church of Jesus Christ is a beautiful and powerful thing. All right? The church of Jesus Christ is a beautiful and powerful thing. Just let that sink in a little bit. I took my first church when I was how old? 24? About 24 years of age. I had an ocean of wetness and innocence behind my ears. I was like, I mean, 
I love the Australian saying. I, I, I just came down in the, in, in the shower, that, that recent shower. I just arrived, you know, crawled out of the ocean. And <laughs> I was an absolute newbie. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Straight out of Bible college, 18 months as an associate pastor. I thought I knew everything. And man, I hit the church and I knew nothing. Now, this couple came to me from another church in our denomination, from a neighborhood just down the road. And that pastor was one of the honchos of the denomination. He was connected. And uh, if you know anything about denominational politics, you can read behind the lines of just what I've said there. This couple comes to me now, you know, the ocean behind my ears, innocent, Bible-believing, young pastor, running a church, and they come to me, pastor, can we see you? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, I'm just a bit hesitant because they're leaving one of the big, big shots churches and they're moving over to my church, wondering what's going on. And then they sit down and they haul out this letter from the pastor. He is suing them for hundreds of thousands of rands for slander. All right? That pastor is suing his congregation members for slandering him. You guys have got it easy, eh? Come on. <laughs> I mean, what do you... Here I am. I mean, I'm straight out of college. I know, I know nothing about running a church. And now I'm going to have to tangle with one of the big deals of the denomination. But I did. And I hold out this passage of scripture. And uh, I sent him a message. And I sent the head of the denomination the message. And we were having a big conference coming up. And I said, if this matter is not sorted out, yeah, little me, if this matter is not sorted out, I'm having a meeting with you and the moderator, which is the top five men of the church. And we sought in you out. Okay, that came back to bite me later on. <laughs> no, they whacked me later on. But anyway, needless to say that the, the case was dropped. But why am I saying this to you? I'm saying this to you because the church of Jesus Christ is a beautiful and powerful thing. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 1 to 4, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, a church that I've told you is in turmoil. And in, in, in verse 1, Verse 2, verse 3, he, he, he puts in a phrase which I want you to note. The first one was, does any of you dare? That's the phrase. He's writing to them. Do you dare? In verse 2 it says, do you not know? And verse 3 it says, do you not know also? Okay, lock these in. All right, here's the, here's the passage. Does any of you dare, when he has a matter of complaint against another brother, to go to the law before unrighteous men, men neither upright nor right with God, laying it before them instead of before the saints, the people of God? How dare you do that, he says to the church. Do you not know that the saints? Who are the saints? Are you sure? Yes. It's going to come back and bite you. Will one day judge and govern the world. Judge Lena, Governor Ben. Yeah, you laugh. Yeah, that sounds funny, but can you imagine one day when I rock up to your office, can I see Governor Ben and I'll laugh at you. You 
carry divine authority and power that God is going to one day use you to judge this physical world. Got that? The church is a beautiful and powerful thing. Number verse 3. Do you not know also that we Christians, that's a bit easier, right? Who's we Christians? That's us. Are to judge the very angels. Eh? And pronounce opinion between right and wrong for them. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. How much more then as to matters pertaining to this world and this life only? Wow. The church of Jesus Christ is a beautiful and a powerful thing. Hebrews chapter 2, the writer says, it is not to the angels that he subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him, you made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. The interesting thing about that passage of scripture is verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 2 is a quote out of a, a Psalm 8. I want to read the whole psalm to you. Just listen to this out of the NRV. Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You made them rulers of the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks, herds, animals, wild animals, birds in the sky, fish, all that swim on the paths of the oceans. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now listen to this. Verse 5, Amplify. You have made him a little lower than the angels. If you look in your verse of your, your NIV, there'll be a, I think a B there. Go down to the bottom, and it's God. If you read the Amplified Version, it says this, Yet you have made him a little lower than God or heavenly beings. And you have crowned him with honor, with glory and honor. Now, I love the NIV translation. Okay, I think it's probably... For me one of the most accurate translations but one of the things with the NIV is if there's a problem with the translation or if there's a, a word that can be used in two ways what I like about what they do is they'll put a footnote in there and they'll put the other word there for example if it's talking about flesh and nature in Ephesians they'll always say the sinful nature but at the bottom they'll put flesh now I would I would have preferred the other way around that's my preference The footnote in the NIV is heavenly beings, B, it's God. So what he is saying here is he is saying God has made you a little lower than himself. But they, the, how can I say, the traditionalists, the, they want to be a little bit safe, you know. I mean, when you're talking about angelic beings and you're talking about God, you don't want to get too puffed up and say, well, I've just been created just a little bit lower than God. Hallelujah, you know. 
You wait for the lightning strike. <laughs> That's how we think. So historically, they default to the word angels. A bit of traditional mindset. But I believe the more accurate translation suggests that there is an orderly structure of creation. God, supreme, pre-existent, always there. Then in chronological age, or in time, he created the angels, and after he created the angels, he created man. But in order, man ranks above the angels. That's probably what really angered Lucifer a bit. Maybe. I don't know. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not the angels all ministering spirits, servants, sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who inherit salvation? In the spirit realm, the church is the most powerful force on the planet. In the age to come, the church is going to be a governmental authority of God on the planet. And not only of the planet, but of the spiritual realm under God's authority, under God's throne. In other words, you right now, starting now, will begin to play a role in the governmental authority of the kingdom of God from now into eternity. Now that is why I say to you, the church is a beautiful and powerful thing. I read in one of the books that Richard gives, lent me, he gives me books, he lends me books, and, and, and it's incredible how him and Carolyn, if they give me a book, I know. God's been speaking to me and this is confirmation. It's like a high moment. And so in one of the books that he gave me, and I think it is natural church growth, I'm not quite sure. They, they were, the, the author was addressing a series of questions in terms of growing the church. And he said there's a wrong question and there's a right question. The wrong question, what will make our church grow? Okay, that's the wrong question. The right question is what's keeping the church from growing. This series of messages is a series of messages aimed in at that question. Because the church is you. The question for you is not what's keeping me from growing, it's what's stopping me from growing if I have got a hindrance in my growth. You know, we've been, we, we, we're listening to Lena each week come up and talk about what we're in and the season of, of prayer and fasting we're in. And as a corporate body, Lifehouse has been four years preparing for this season. It, it, it blows my mind. I, I can't believe it. Four years working, working towards this. And now we enter the season where we are with deliberate intent entering a campaign of aggression against the territorial forces of this community to say, let these people go. In May, 
we launched the project of the Triple P where we hold a conference for the school. In June, we've got all those bridging events, the Alpha course, the movies that we're going to be showing, and the boot camp that we're going to be running for men. In September, we've got Fathers and Sons Conference we're running for the school. And next May, we've got Mothers and Daughters Conference that we're running for the school. Wow. And they asked us to do it. What is our job? Our job is not to ask what's stopping us from growing. Our, jobs, our job is to see to the process towards urging one another to love and good deeds. Our job is to maintain the unity of the spirit so that we can head forward as one into this place. You see, because in the spirit realm, the church is the most powerful force on the planet. In the coming age, it's the governmental force on the planet. And you, my dear friend, my brother and sister in the Lord, you are an active participant in this. So let us seize and hold fast, retain without wavering that hope which we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of us. For he who promised is reliable and sure and faithful to his word. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care, watching over one another, studying how we may stir one another up, how we may stimulate one another, how we may incite one another to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. And how are we going to do that? Admonish one another, warn one another, urge one another, encourage one another not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. We walk in as one. So it's your responsibility. So over the last two sermons that I've preached, I've been looking at this question. How do we avoid hurts and offenses in the church? So, so far, number one, you avoid developing unreasonable expectations of the church. Number two, don't place absolute trust in people. Number three, focus on common ground. Number four, don't expect any church to be perfect. Number five, seek to promote, don't seek to promote yourself or your gender. Number six, avoid blaming the church for your personal problems and sins. Okay, let me try and do two today. First one, treat others as you wish to be treated. Okay, golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you wanted them to do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. You want to fulfill this? Treat me like you want me to treat you. And I'll treat you like I want you to treat me. You see, human beings are reciprocal. They reflect. They, 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 re they respond. Generally. I mean, you've got freaks on either side. Okay, but generally, us general people, normal, Joe and uh, Jill Soap, we, we normal people, we reflect. We reflect the way we are treated. And Jesus says, apply the golden rule to get that reflection back. Do to them what you want them to do to you. That's, mo that's generally how most people react. I mean... You know it. You know this is true. You go into a store and there's a grumpy person behind the counter, you're going to respond with aggression. 
You go into a store and there's a happy person behind the counter, you try and get out there as quickly as possible because they try and sell you something you don't want. I can remember one time that that just didn't work on me. The poor guy. Oh, shame. It was in England. And you know me. You know my patience levels. I have to work on that very, very hard. And uh, I'm, a, I'm especially susceptible to a lack of patience when it comes to computers and them not doing what I want them to do, even though I have messed up. All right? So somehow or other, my computer got absolutely messed, and I took it into the shop to get fixed. But by the time I'd taken it in, I was beyond. All right? I was beyond. Now, this poor young guy must have seen the steam just like, just flowing. Just like, just not fast, but just the eyes must have been bloodshot. I was, in a, I was enraged. Self-controlled, but enraged. And he couldn't help me. <laughs> I feel terrible <laughs> to this day about that poor guy. I don't know who he is. Never met him again. We had five minutes together, but I feel terrible for the poor guy. Imagine confronting that. You've done nothing all day and you get this in your face. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. It's a reciprocal. Even though he smiled, he didn't get it back. But I was on the extremes at that day. I think I'm in the center. I hope I'm in the center. Maybe not. <laughs> Proverbs 18. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. As you begin to expand graciousness, as you begin to sow encouragement, as you begin to be a blessing... What will happen is you are going to start to attract those people around you. And there will be a reciprocal relationship taking place. Like attracts like. Birds of a feather. Now, many, many hurt feelings can be avoided if you realize this. People respond to you initially how you respond to them. That initial contact. I mean, make a close examination on what you say and how you say it. Carolyn spoke last week about words and the effect and power of words. You know, don't be rude. Don't be impolite. Check your attitude. You know, One of the things I wanted to talk about, but I don't have time to talk about it today, is, is the aspect of respect and manners. Um... You can have the best intentions in the world. But if you don't love that person, you can have the best intentions in the world. But if you treat that person differently to how you want to be treated, you're going to get hurt. And you will end up being hurt in the church. So number seven, treat others as you want to be treated. And this leads me to my next point. Now, my next point is be devoted to love and forgiveness. And it's in two parts. But this point leads directly into do not take an offense, which is next week. That is important. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13 to you. All right. You've, you've heard it before. If, I mean, if, if there's a wedding you've been to, you've heard it. But it's a beautiful chapter. And I just want to read it to you quickly here. 
If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now the next four verses, a couple of verses are the important ones. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Be devoted to love. I give, I've given away my secrets so anyone that comes to me for pre-married counseling in this church will know the question. But I always like to ask the question, uh, what is love? And then you see them struggle. Because they'll haul out all of these. Oh, yeah, love is patient. Love is kind. No, that's not love. Love is your decision to love. And the results of that decision will manifest itself in all of these things. And that's what you've got to devote yourself to. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. There is nothing in them that can make them stumble. 1 John 2.10 If you get this, you will avoid so many problems in the church. Now, I have to say this, alright? I have to say this. One of the problems we people have is we always have the tendency to become religious. We I don't know what it is about us, but we, we always default to religion. We default to a set of rules and regulations. We also default to religious love. Okay? That's manipulation, pure and simple. You just scratch it a bit and there's the ugly witch of manipulation. Religious love comes along and says... If you love me, you'll do this. Absolute manipulation. Love is patient. Don't come and manipulate me and try and make me feel bad because you want me to do something that I'm not going to do that's unbiblical to do or that you're manipulating me to do because I know what love is. I know what the results of love is. When I'm in a relationship with you, the manifestation of my love should be it is patient. I am kind. There is no envy. If, you, if something happens to you and it's great, I'm, I'm grateful to you. That is love. You know, I, I'm not going to boast about myself. I'm going to boast about you. That is love. I'm not proud. I, I will not dishonor you. I will not be self-seeking in my relationship when I come into your presence. Now, if I can apply these aspects of love into a relationship and I devote myself to it, I'm not going to get hurt. Or I will avoid hurts and offenses. If anyone says, I love God, and hates and detests and abominates 
his brother in Christ, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Be devoted to love. All right. Lastly, forgiveness. Now, remember, I said sometimes in my sermon, there's certain aspects that carry warnings. This is a warning part. All right. Red lights going on, imagination, da-da-da-da-da-da, warning lights. Be quick to forgive and release grudges very, very quickly. All right? When we were at Warwick Church last week, I was listening to the Sunday sermon of Pastor Jeff Bales, and he was preaching, and he said some. he, he made a statement, and I love the statement. He said, bitterness is like eating rat poison and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> now, you know my imagination. I can just see you pouring a bowl of rat poison. I hate you. <laughs> when you're going to die. <laughs> I, announced, I announced that uh, my, in, in Waterbrook this morning, I said one of the books I want to write, after, probably after my warfare book, is going to be, sometimes we Christians are the stupidest people on the planet. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Rat poison. <laughs> We do, we do it. Unforgiveness. A root of bitterness. Is, <clears throat> you see it a mile off. Now listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12. Make every effort to live in peace with one another and be holy. What is your job in the church? Your job is to make every effort to live in peace with each other. With and, be ho- and to be holy with holiness, no- without holiness, no one shall see-, see God. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile many. Warning light. If you associate with a person with a bitter root, next week I'll tell you about how you will take on their offense and eat of that root. It's like coming to a table here and saying, let me share your rat poison. Because a bitter root in one person defiles many. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Unforgiveness is probably, besides offense, one of the greatest hindrances of anointing and maturing and going forward in the church that I've ever seen in all my ministry. Bitterness is like eating rat poison and waiting for the other person to die. It causes trouble. It defiles many. You hold an offense against someone or you hold an offense so someone's here holding an offense. There's an issue between this person and that person and you come along this person here and you hold an offense against that person on this person's behalf. I'll talk about that next week. You are going to release some of the most destructive forces in your life than you will ever know. That red light warning, put it into your spirit now. Once this starts, 
it is very difficult to begin to deal with this in a restorative manner. Now listen carefully to this. I thought this was brilliant myself, all right? Don't know whether it's purely mine, because you know, you know me and original thought. I don't know, I read a lot, and, but I, I think it's mine. So I'll lay claim to it anyway. Nowhere, all right, nowhere. There is no relationship anywhere except the Trinity that is without difficulty or issues. Okay? I believe this. I mean, you can, you can be the most wonderful, loving couple and you can come to me and the love hearts of going there and the little fat Eros babies are firing arrows at each other and you know, and you, oh pastor, we love each other. And, oh, this, that, that. There are difficulties there. That's my belief. There, there is no relationship anywhere that you can have between one person and another person where there will not be difficulties and issues. Now, take that relationship and put it in an active spiritual environment. And all hell is going to break loose. Because that relationship is going to be amplified. And the devil is going to try come in and divide the two of you. Now here's the thing. If you do not deal with those issues and difficulties within that relationship according to this manual... You will be hurt and offended in the church. I will put that in writing. I will sign my name to it. I will guarantee that will happen to you. It can happen in a marriage. It can happen in a friendship. It can happen in between parents. It can happen in a church. If there is a relationship, there are difficulties. The Bible has laid out patterns and procedures in how we go about handling those difficulties and those issues. They are difficult to use. But in the long run, they avoid hurt and offenses in the church. All right. I'm going to finish now. Now, as I finish, because this is halfway through a... a, 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 a series this is going to be a dead shut there's no nice conclusion dead shut right bang this is done and we're going to finish going to have some tea but this last part carries a siren warning a red light warning and a big warning all right you got it is there any way i can make myself clearer other than getting the siren <laughs> all right okay If you refuse to forgive, God will not forgive you. Period. Not only that, but God will take His hand of protection off you and let loose the torturers to deal with you. That's my warning. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking and he's saying in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, for, for if you forgive people their trespass, their reckless and willful sins, 
leaving them, letting them go, giving up resentment, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. In Matthew 18, we've got a serious passage on how to handle difficulties and issues between relationships within the church. We know the story. How one guy went to the king and said, Oh, I've got a big debt. And the king says, Oh, I'll forgive you. Then the next one comes in, Oh, I've got a big debt. The king says, I'll forgive you. He goes out and hammers the first guy and says, Whoa, 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 you go to the debt, debtor's prison because you, you owe me. And Jesus used that illustration to emphasize the importance of not, of, of, of not retaining unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness is poison to you. Not only is it poison to you, it prevents him. He will not forgive you. That means your sin, you hold the consequences of that sin in your life. 34, chapter 18. In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. This week, go and study and try and find out what the word jailer means. When the Lord releases a jailer to torture you, what does it mean? What happens? How to avoid hurts and offenses? Treat others as you want to be treated. Be devoted to love and forgiveness. Next week, I'm hoping to deal with how to have a teachable cooperative attitude. Don't oppose and hinder the church. Be careful what you sow. Be committed to forthrightness and truth. Don't be caught up in the offense of other people. And don't personalize everything that gets preached. All right. God bless. Amen. Thank you. Who's next?